while God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Welcome to worship this morning at Calvary. We are so delighted that you chose to worship with us today. If you would take your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, we are excited. Uh, second Sunday in our Together We Strive series, we have been, last Sunday we introduced our brand new logo, and those are, that's going to be on the screen here in just a moment, and our brand new branding for our church, and uh, I love the the simplicity of it, I love the complexity of it, I love how it captures who we are as a church and our commitment to making disciples and declaring the name of Jesus here, right here in the triangle and ultimately around the world. And our logo and branding was designed to directly reflect who we are as a, as a ministry, as a, as a church, and uh, our mission, our vision, our values. And we wanted to, every time you see it, to be reminded of why we exist as a church because folks i'm convinced oftentimes when you're going through life we can forget why christ has left us here somehow we can get bogged down with pressures at work at at home any of you have young kids in your house i know there's pressure i mean any of you have teenagers in your house i know there's pressure we got four of those i mean all of the struggles that that new parents have with young babies, and I love watching a, a brand new couple that has a uh, newborn in the house, and they're talking about not sleeping, and, and uh, the struggle is real as they are sharing war stories, and I'm like, just buckle up, because uh, it doesn't get any better when they turn three, or five, 15, uh, 22, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what age they are, uh, as a parent, there are certain things that are just in our nature, uh, as a nurturing parent, as a parent who wants your kid to succeed in all things, especially things of God, and have a heart for God, uh, there is a certain amount of worry. And worry is sin, I get that. But if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, because you go through periods of uh, you're releasing them to the Lord, you're trusting the Lord, and yet sometimes we like to take it back and say, all right, I'm going to struggle with this a little bit more because, you know, that's my flesh and blood. And, you know, do you remember the, the parent-child dedication service, you know, years and years ago when they were a little child? And you remember when you said, I'm giving this child to the Lord? And sometimes we like to take them back, and, and we like to have a little control. And, and will God uh, call all the other kids in the church into missions or, or foreign mission service, but not my child. And, and then all of a sudden God calls your child and you're like, wait a minute. And I was praying at that mission conference back that one time that you would speak the hearts, but I really wasn't meaning my family. Or, or, or we, we, you know where we're at with this. We're, there's something about trusting God and trusting his provision, his plan, his purpose in our lives. And so declaring the name of Jesus, we're reminded why we exist. So way of recap, looking at our vision statement, declaring the name of Jesus in the triangle of the world. The triangle is at the very center of the, uh, the logo, and our new sign went up this week. And as people are driving by, it's, it's a reminder, those, those stickers, the magnets that we gave you for your car, it's a reminder of why we exist as a church and it drives us as a ministry as as a a mission uh, we together we lead and create disciples of jesus that is why calvary raleigh church exists and that's not changed in over 36 years in fact when christ ascended back into heaven 
He, he gave the disciples in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he gave them that mission statement. He says, I'm leaving you with a purpose. You're not here left alone. In fact, in Acts 1, he says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the old, uh, to the ends of the earth. And what is he saying? He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You are not left alone. You're not going to struggle through life uh, on your own trying to find your way. I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to be that comforter, the help in time of need. So he chose the church to be a bold witness. Then as you look at the logo, you see the three C's that kind of circle that, uh, that uh, triangle. Those three C's help articulate our core values as a church. And we're going to start discovering what those three C's are today. We're going to look really at the first two. But the first one, celebrate. We are created to be worshipers. We are created to be worshipers. You ever look, I remember um, several years ago in the choir, uh, this was, I was playing for the choir back in the day, many, many eons ago, and I remember the choir had this one little part in the in a, a song where they were doing the ooze in the background, and, and uh, we weren't quite getting it. I mean, it was just, it was a struggle. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, we just don't get the rhythm that well, and sometimes we struggle with certain things. And I remember this one lady piped up, and she said, we ain't never been an ooh choir. And I thought to myself, I don't know, every time I hear you, I'm like, ooh, that's not that great. <laughs> you know, uh, you, so you have that kind of feeling of like, well, we ain't never been whatever. And, and it, was, it was a struggle uh, to, to figure out what that part, but folks, we are created to be worshipers. Jesus Christ uniquely designed us to worship him, to exalt his name. And, and because of the fall of man, uh, that fellowship, that relationship is severed. But folks, he created us in the image of God. We are by him and for him we are created, the word of God says. And so he created us to worship him, to, to, to exalt his name. And so when I hear people say from time to time, well, I'm just not really into that worship part. I mean, I don't, I just don't enjoy it, or I'm not going to raise my hands. Uh, it's all right. But folks, the reality is, let me give you the 411 for all eternity. All eternity. We're going to worship our Savior, Jesus, who created us, who died on the cross, who rose victoriously from the grave, and folks, if you were miserable in worship in 2022 here on this earth, after all that Christ has done for us, you're going to hate heaven. I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's going to be like the rough. You just need, you might need to get saved. I mean, you might need to get your heart right with God because the reality is, is this is the rest of eternity is worshiping. And folks, that's something to celebrate. There's something to get excited about. To understand what Jesus has done in our hearts. And folks, we desire to lead disciples of Jesus who are obedient in personal worship and contribute to the corporate worship setting. We desire to make personal and corporate worship a high priority in our lives. So we're saying it's vital that you and I understand why we were created, 
and he's desiring to have a personal relationship. So people often some say today, well, Pastor, I didn't have the best experience growing up in church. And maybe uh, uh, it was all about the what thou shalt not, all about all the, the, doubt, the don't do this or don't do that. Anybody else have that experience? And maybe you're like, man, I just... Going to church was kind of a bore. I always felt like there was, I was never measuring up. I was never good enough. That's the reality, folks, is none of us measure up. For all of sin and fall short of the glory. But God, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he offers us a right relationship with God. So, folks, whenever we open the word of God, if you know Christ is your Savior, this morning, the word is written for man. It's written for his children to understand the power, the love, the depth, the height, the, the width of God's love and how much he desires to work in our hearts. And so, folks, it's not about religion. If you came to church this morning to, to satisfy your parents, your grandparents, uh, to make sure that the pastor's not you know, mad at you, uh, sometimes I run into someone from our church in the grocery store and they haven't been here in like months and months and months and I'll see them, they duck down the side aisle like kind of like, oh, don't, don't want to run into the pastor this morning or maybe it's what's in their cart, who knows, but they're going down the aisle and they're, and they're getting away from the pastor and all of a sudden I round the corner and boom, face to face and they're like, uh, pastor, good to see you, Pastor David, and the face gets all red and it's like, don't worry. And they'll start saying, I'm so sorry I haven't been to church. And it's been like how many years now? And they'll start complaining and, and talking about all the things that have happened in their world. And I'm like, I'm not a priest. You don't have to confess any sins to me. Uh, you know, I'm just happy to see you. And, you know, uh, sometimes people, you'll run into someone somewhere and, and they just, they have that look on their face. And I'm like, hey, I just want to see you thrive in your Christian life. And folks... If you haven't been here, you don't have to confess that to me. What I want you to understand is God created us to celebrate and worship him. And folks, what happens on Sunday ought to be the overflow of what happens Monday through Saturday. Do you, you follow me? It ought to be the, the overflow of, of what God's been teaching us and how he's been working and, and showing us through his word, through, uh, his, through prayer, through fellowship of the saints. Folks, as we gather for corporate worship, it's a celebration of all that God is doing. And folks, we rejoice in who he is. We rejoice in what he's doing in and through us. And oftentimes people have a tough week facing all kinds of trials on every side. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. But when we come together as a church body for worship, we celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate what he's doing in our hearts and what, what, what he's doing through our church, one thing we've learned over the last three years is how vital church attendance is to the health and life of a Christian. What happens when you can't go? Do you miss it? Is there a longing in your heart to get back with the people of God for worship? Is there a longing in your heart? Because, folks, we're created for that. We're created. He creates a desire to want to know him. And oftentimes having a tough week when we come together as a church body, we're celebrating all that God is doing. And, folks, I think the, the pandemic showed us a, a, a few things about our, our, ourselves and even about the church as a whole. So many people 
don't necessarily miss it, and they don't long for it. And, and, and folks, that says something about those people. But folks, it ought to create within us, Lord, I don't want to miss being in the house of God. I don't want to miss an opportunity to come together. And So let's look at our text in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. We're backing up really to the beginning of this portion of Scripture. He says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what, church? He who promised is what, church? He who promised is what? Faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Jews had to go to temple once a year to offer sacrifice to atone for their sins. There were other feasts at other times that they would worship and celebrate. It wasn't just once a year, but they had to go yearly and offer those sacrifices. Folks, we don't have to go to church each week. It changes everything when you don't have to, you get to. You have to brush your teeth, all right? Uh, you have to put on deodorant. I mean, uh, we have a, a couple of seventh graders in our house, and, you know, it's just a constant reminder. They're coming down the stairs. Have you brushed your teeth? Did you put on deodorant? I mean, anybody else in that same boat? I mean, we're just being straight up honest. I mean, real is the best way. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like there's, there's certain things you have, you have to do, these things. The reality is this morning is Jesus doesn't make us go to church on Sunday. He doesn't make us open his word and, and, and strive to get to know him or spend time in prayer or, or, or making disciples of Jesus we get to do that. It's a game changer because, folks, our, our religion, we don't worship a God who forces us, who makes us. Our, our place in heaven is determined by our performance here on this earth. No, our place in heaven is settled because of Jesus and his blood, folks. And it's by grace we're saved through faith that not of yourselves, Ephesians says, is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one of us can boast. In other words, he's saying is, it's only by his grace that we're saved. And folks, I'm thankful that because of that, hey, folks, we don't have to go to church. We get to. It's a privilege to know God. He satisfied the wrath of God for man's sins. He paid our sin debt in full. And now we get to go directly to the Father through Jesus Christ. We can have boldness confidence to enter into his presence. I love what it says in verse 21 and 22. It says, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Don't miss what the writer of Hebrews is saying because the sanctuary was the place where the presence of God dwelt. The holy place in the tabernacle. And because before this, man could not enter into the presence of God. Only the high priest, and it was once a year, and there were major rules, stipulations. In fact, there were bells on the hem of his, his robe that would, would make noise as he moved about the, the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And folks, he had to be completely right with God or God would strike him dead. And, and if the bell stopped ringing, they knew to pull the rope on his leg and pull him out because you couldn't go in to the Holy, Holy of Holies. Folks, you and I had no access to the Holy of Holies. And so I love what he says. Only the high priest could go in. If anyone else tried to enter, they were struck dead. But now because of God's grace, the door to his presence has flown wide open, folks. You and I, the blood changes everything about our relationship with God. And sometimes in our modern culture, people are like, well, I don't want to emphasize the cross or I don't want to emphasize the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. You and I cannot be saved apart from the death, burial, and resurrection, apart from the blood of Jesus. So because of God's grace, the door to his presence is, is wide open. Verse 23 says, we can now have confidence of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what, church? Faithful. So what he's saying, he says, leave it up on the screen for a second. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Folks, if we don't live in a time where people are wavering and they're teetering back and forth on are they going to believe? Are they going to trust in God? Are they not? Are, are, are we still calling ourselves a Christian? Or are we a nothing? Are we a none? Are, are we, are, what is it that we're describing ourselves that? And folks, we're living in a generation where people are rapidly turning away from the faith. And this describes the end times. It describes what those last days are going to be like. Aren't you thankful this morning God is faithful? Aren't you thankful God is sufficient? Aren't you thankful his blood was more than enough to cover our sins? He's faithful. And he's our one sure thing. He, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I love that. He says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. He says, we have confidence this morning. Folks, what happens when you have confidence? You operate in a whole different realm. A, a, a kid who's confident uh, on, the, on the field, when they go out there to play football, boy, it is like they're at one with that ball. I mean, they're going to get it across the, the, the touchdown line, and they're going to score. I saw somebody, one of my... Uh, I guess my second cousin, so 
about six or seven years old, and he ran down the football field the other day, and he gets down to the end, and it was his first touchdown ever, and boy, he just took it, slammed that ball on the ground. That was just a, a happy dance. It was that excitement of accomplishment, a feeling of accomplishment. What happens is when you have confidence, when you go into your office tomorrow and you're working on a project and you have to make a, a delivery of a, of a speech or a talk before people and you're, you're prepared and you've, you've studied and you've got a screen behind you and, and you're showing your coworkers what this product can do or how this particular uh, thing's going to be enforced in, in your line of work and you have a confidence about it. When you go into the classroom and you're going to take a test and you've prepared adequately and you've studied and you're, you're, you're ready for it, there's a confidence that comes. He says, when you know Jesus has forsake, for, forgiven your sins, you're forgiven, all of our sins are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. We have confidence, we have assurance of our confession, our hope without wavering. Why? Because God is faithful. So we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Verse 24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. One of the huge benefits of gathering together for worship is that we get to celebrate the goodness of God. The other Sunday when Pastor Fabio sat on this platform right here and, and Felix was interpreting, and just to hear the impact that his church has had on their community and seeing so many of these young kids come to faith in Jesus, over 800 kids that have come through the Compassion International Ministry, and they've had an opportunity to impact them with the gospel and with medical care and education and social and all of the, the, the needs that they have, and folks... What happens is it's awesome just to celebrate what God is doing. When we come together to celebrate Jesus in corporate worship, we're stirring up one another to love and good works. And let me just add this, that is difficult to do from your couch. Can I get a witness this morning? That is difficult to do from your couch. Because the, the few weeks that we were online only, I'll be honest, I'm as your pastor, I mean, for a while we were doing it live, and I would stand right here, and we would record, and then we're like, something's got to change. We've we, we got to go to a different route, and then we began to record it in advance, and for probably about five or six weeks, uh, I was in my living room while the video was playing online, live on, t on, the, uh, on the internet, and I remember sitting there on my couch with a remote, and uh, I mean, it was just weird. I mean, it was so, I mean, like, we're just a singing, and it's just completely dead. There's no face-to-face. -face. Do you know what it's like to preach to a camera exclusively? I mean, and I would be... You know, early on, I was pointing to different sides of the building like there was someone sitting there. There wasn't. And you're probably thinking, that is the weirdest person I've ever met in my life. My wife was critiquing me going, ain't nobody in there. <laughs> I mean, why are you pointing over there to, to Shane? <laughs> why are you talking about Chris? Hey, they're not sitting there in front of you. It was, it was just weird. I mean, let's just be real. It, it was weird under the best of circumstances. But 
Folks, the reality is you cannot have that same uh, relationship of encouraging the saints, of building up the body, of, of corporate worship and experiencing the presence of God sitting on your couch. When we come together to celebrate, we're stirring up one another. And folks, we must gather in person if at all possible. And during the pandemic, one of the, the most challenging things for my mom is she got cancer in 2020 and was in the hospital and had surgery and could not go to church. It was like ripping her heart out because she literally would weep as she talked about how much she missed being in church. Then I watched as she was wasting away with osteoporosis, with dementia. And folks, dementia is a terrible disease. And it took so much from her. But folks, one thing she didn't lose, because for, for in 2020 and in 2021, we thought we were, she wasn't going to make it till. Uh, Christmas of 2021, so at Thanksgiving, we all quoted Luke 2, 1 through 20. All three of us had learned it at Way Christian as kids, and we sat around as we do every year, all of my entire childhood, uh, quoting Luke 2, 1 through 20. And folks, I'm just being real, all of us were bawling. There were days that my mom did not know who I was. Dad was preaching at a, another church as an interim pastor, and one week he wasn't preaching, and they just went to visit that church that morning. And on the ride home, she told my dad, she said, Man, I enjoyed that sermon you preached this morning. My dad said, I didn't preach this morning. But when it came to quoting Luke 2, 1 through 20, she didn't need her Bible. The person who had spent time in personal worship, she got saved as an adult, 29 years old, 30 years old. For the next 50, two, three years, she spent so much time in personal worship, so much time in corporate worship, that even though there were times she did not know who we were, she did not miss a single word of Luke 2, 1 through 20. That's what happens when you celebrate the goodness of God. She would sing Christmas songs, and we... We did all of this at Thanksgiving, and then she was still here at Christmas. We did it again at Christmas. I mean, but we had a good old time. And folks, I'm just saying all that to say she was heartbroken at the thought she could not go to church. And I look across the church this morning. There are people that come in spite of, uh, of disease, in spite of ailments, of, of trials. And folks, that ought to be our desire is God, I want to be in the presence of God's people. I want to celebrate the goodness of God. And folks, we need that assurance to stay faithful until the end. I need someone to high-five me or 
to give me a, a, a handshake or put their arm around my shoulder and say, I love you, brother. I'm praying for you, Pastor. I, I appreciate your prayer, your concern, your, your encouragement. And folks, we need those moments. But then he goes on, he says in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. For the child of God, that weekly gathering for worship and celebration is vital to our help and encouragement of the saints. We need it now more than ever. We need it now more than at any other time to encourage, to strengthen, to challenge one another, to sharpen one another, to love one another, to serve one another. We're all vital to the strength of the whole body. Each one of us are uniquely equipped to have a vital role in the success of Christ church. When you don't make it a priority, we aren't functioning at our best. When we don't make it a priority, we're not functioning at our strongest. And verse 25 says, all the more as you see the day, and the word is capitalized, that pay attention when they do that, because it's there for a reason. When you see the day drawing near, we are longing for the return of Christ, looking forward to the day that he returns. Second Peter 3.10 says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Like a thief in the night, and they don't ring the doorbell or send you a text. You know, sometimes you'll get a text that Amazon has delivered something on your doorstep or, or, or what, somebody told me they ordered something uh, one day this week and they were thinking, well, it should be here by the weekend. And they said before the afternoon was over, it was on their doorstep. Thank you, Amazon. But I mean, it's like, it's, you know, have you, they have drones now that can deliver stuff and drop it on your, uh, on your front porch or your front stoop or uh, on your house. And you know, just imagine, but he says, he comes as a thief in the night. Christ has given us the signs of his coming, but he said, as the day draws near, we need to celebrate and gather even more. What's he saying? He says, church, we must reevaluate the priorities of our lives and put God first. Last Sunday, I mentioned a brand new study that came out a week ago uh, from Pew Research that talked about the decline of Christianity in America and it, this report was filled with all kinds of information. And as a pastor, I like numbers. I like the, to read data and stuff like that. But folks, that was a depressing report to read because what it's saying is by 2050, if we continue on the path that we're on, less than 50% of Americans will even claim to be affiliated as a Christian. What year are we again? 2022? Anybody know, noticing that the kids are, the time's flying, the kids are growing up fast? We're going to have kids driving before long, some of us. Getting their permits at 15, 14 and a half, they're driving in a car. And you're thinking, God help Wake County. I mean, Lord knows, get off the road. I mean, when Malachi gets his license, I mean, he is going to be, I mean, 
scary, you know. But the reality is, this 2022 to 2050 is going to happen in the blink of an eye. And folks, less than half of our nation, the nation that's been the great sending country for missionaries all over the world, is now going to be a minority in our own land, folks, as so many people are turning away from their faith. And folks, what happens is, is we, as we look at uh, the next 30 years, 25, 30 years, 27 years, how many ever years, folks, people are turning away from the Christian faith. That's from a nation that was based on, founded on Christian principles. And don't allow some crazy professor in college to undermine or do away with everything our nation was founded on. Go to any building any monument that's at least 30 years old or older in Washington, D.C., on every building it has reference to our relationship with our Creator, with God, with giving all the authority, the praise, the honor, the glory to Jesus Christ all over our documents. Every single founding document speaks of that relationship with God, of the freedom of religion. And folks, we like to, in our nation, we like to today say that's a freedom from religion. No, it's not. Know why we were founded, folks. It's so that they can't dictate a national religion and force us to go. And folks, with the freedom of religion, we can worship freely without interference from the government, without interference from the state. And it's a huge difference, folks. We must make that weekly celebration of God's people the number one priority of the church. I'm going to briefly and quickly move through the next one. Connect. This is where we discover community. Following Jesus was never meant to be done in isolation. So many people are lost. They're floundering in life. They've become so disconnected in the last three years. All of the isolation, the closing down... The, the masking, all of those things, I'm not making light of that because we didn't know what we were dealing with at the time. There were so many threats uh, to our well-being, and, and whether you wore a mask all the time or you, whether you didn't, that's irrelevant. But folks, the, the point is, all of that over three years has so isolated and distant so many people. Folks, the, the effects of this we're going to be feeling for the next couple of generations. And folks, it, it's it's... The mental health struggles, people feeling isolated or detached, we are created to thrive in community. And the church is a community where discipleship happens. When we gather corporately, and folks, we're, we're challenged, but folks, the real work is not happening in the rows like this. It happens in circles. It happens when you're amongst friends, amongst people who are struggling with similar issues, and you can dig into the word, you can pray together, you can lift one another up, you can encourage and spur someone on to do good works. We must grow deeper through authentic relationships and dig into the word, ask questions, be challenged and encouraged, pray together, see God answer prayers, celebrate the victories and grow with other believers. Galatians 6.10 says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We owe it to ourselves and our walk with Christ as well as the body of Christ to connect 
in this way. And folks, we're so much stronger together. We desire for every person to find a small group community to plug into. And folks, if we don't have one that meets your needs, we want to help create one and start one so that you have that place that you can thrive. I wonder this morning, how many of you do not have immediate family in Wake County? Just very quickly, slip your hand up. I don't have immediate family in Wake County. Slip your hand and just leave it up real quick. All right. That's a lot of people. I want you to keep your hand up. I want you to look across the aisle at someone who doesn't have, who does have uh, the family in town. They, 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 have, they have their hand is down. All right, look around you. All right. The rest of us in this room, we are your family. We are, we are the body of Christ. You are our brother. You're our sister. You are, we are part of the body of Christ. So though you may not have physical family, folks, we need to connect within community and see other brothers and sisters in Christ who need the encouragement, the love, the fellowship, the encouragement of the saints. Folks, we have to belong and connect in that way. One of the goals for connecting in a small group is to help us learn to study the Word of God confidently, to know that God's Word speaks to the very struggles that I'm facing in this life. And, and connecting in a small group, it's important. It'll also aid in that first C to celebrate. It'll help in your personal worship. Because then when you get together alone with God during the week and you open up the Word of God, you can study and know confidently how God speaks to us through His Word. How He challenges us, how He changes our life. Next Sunday, we're going to feature all of our small groups and help people find the right place to plug in. We're going to help you cultivate a habit of regular attendance and participation so that you could reach your God-given potential. Say, so, Pastor, what's the application? I wonder this morning, how are you doing with the celebrate portion of our core values? How are you doing with that celebrate portion? Are you making personal worship a daily part of your routine? Are you digging into the Word of God? Are you seeking to get into the Word and, and, and pray and, uh, on a consistent basis? Let me challenge you, say, Pastor, I don't know where to start. Download the Bible app. Download version. They have literally hundreds, if not thousands, of daily Bible reading plans you can read through the Bible in the year. You could read a study for just men or just women. People who are going, that are grieving. There are plans that deal with grief and loss. Parents that are struggling with training their kids in the things of God. There are, whatever your need is, you can search and find study programs that will help you dig in. There's no excuse. The cool thing about that app is you can hit play and it'll read the Bible to you. That's maybe I'm not a good reader. It's all right. You can type in 
Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25, it'll read it to you. It'll give you words of encouragement and challenge your prayer life. It'll change your life. Let me encourage you this morning, decide today to make Sunday worship a weekly part of your schedule. I'm going to start my week off. I'm going to start off on the first day of the week celebrating with the people of God. And I realize I'm preaching to the choir in many, many senses today. But you know one thing that has happened in the last three years? The people that were every Sunday, they never missed. They were faithful to church. They made it a priority. It was just a part of their daily, weekly routine. I'm not missing church. You know, those people are here one to two Sundays a month now. The people that came a, a couple times a month, they're coming like once a month now. And the people that are coming once a month, they're a, a Christmas and Easter. They're the Christers. We still love them. They're coming once a quarter. They're coming when they're defeated, when they're downtrodden. They feel like they're at the end of their rope and they've tied a knot and they're hanging on and they're... Folks, we've got we to get back in church. We've got to make it a priority. God, I'm going to celebrate the goodness of God and I, while I have breath in my body. And I'm going to do it weekly. I'm going to make it a priority. And I'm going to make that personal worship a priority. I'm going to make it a priority to connect and get involved with the small group. Why? Because I need it. My health depends upon it. My relationship with God depends upon it. The health of our church, of our families, depend upon it. I'm going to connect and grow deeper in my relationship with God because I want the church of Jesus Christ to thrive. I want to reach our community, our, the triangle with the gospel. I want to reach the world with the gospel. I'm going to do my part. 